Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm James. And we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Regardless of where you're watching from, we're so thankful that you are here with us today. Uh, we've been celebrating Jesus, the light of the world, all month long. And we're excited this evening to culminate that with this Christmas Eve service. Our ability to come together and worship and lift up the name of Jesus is one of the greatest things we get to do together. And the reason we believe it's so important is because we believe you belong here. We believe that God has a plan for you. He loves you and he cares for you. And so we're so excited to hear from his word, lift up our voices and celebrate together, even if we're miles apart. And if you're new to Crossroads, we would love to connect with you and encourage you. And the way that we can do that is for you to simply shoot us a text, uh, text the keyword new to 720-513-1933 today or anytime this week. And someone from our connections team will reach back, answer any questions you might have, and just meet you where you're at. Well, with that said, let's begin this time of celebration together.
hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that jesus christ is born in those days a decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when quinarius was governor of syria and all went to be registered each to his own town Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them.
Merry Christmas. Wow, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? I'm so thankful that we are able to gather together today to celebrate the birth of Jesus, our Savior. You might have heard that uh, the estimates for this year is all around the world, two billion, that is billion with a B, people will gather together to celebrate Christmas Eve. And regardless of the country that they're in or the language that they speak or even the liturgy that they follow, all of the services will have one thing in common. At some point in every service, the Christ candle will be lit as a celebration of Christ coming into the world as the light of the world. And for our service, at a point in not the too distant future, the artificial lights will begin to dim. And we'll take our candles and we will light our candles from the Christ candle and then begin to pass that light from one person to another. And as the room illuminates and begins to glow, we will sing that favorite old hymn, Silent Nights. It is a sacred moment for most all of us, isn't it? Myself included. I mean, it's, it's Christmas tradition. You, you can't have Christmas without the lighting of candles and the singing of Silent Night. But for those of us who believe, it's more than just a tradition. It's more than a sacred moment. It's more than festive. It's symbolic of our faith. See, throughout the history of Scripture, God has used light as a powerful imagery of truth. That all the way back into the Old Testament, we have God's people, the Hebrew people, who were called to be the light to the nations. That is, that they were to reflect the character of God in such a way that as the nations of the world looked upon them, that not only would they see God, but they would also see what it looks like to follow him. We get to Isaiah chapter 9, this prophecy, this, this amazing promise given that in a world dwelling in deep darkness that is evil that light would dawn. And that the dawning of that light would come to uh, in a child that would speak truth. We fast forward to the gospels, particularly the gospel of John, where Jesus declares that he is the promise, that he is that promised child of Isaiah chapter nine, that he is the light of the world. And in doing so, he calls his disciples, his followers, us to be lights to the worlds. That throughout the history of the scriptures, God has used time and time again consistently the powerful image of light to convey truth. Now, when most of us think about Christmas, naturally we go to passages that remind us of Jesus' birth. Passages like Luke chapter 2. That there's just something about us that we love to remember the story of, of the angels singing and Mary and Joseph and Jesus showing up in a manger and the shepherds having their encounter and the wise men bringing their gifts. The passage that we're going to look at this evening for our Christmas Eve service has none of that. In fact, as we read it together, it might strike you as not a very Christmassy verse at all until you realize that these verses are the culmination of light in Scripture. That in the book of Revelation, we have the climax of Christmas. That in this oddly beautiful, sometimes confusing book is the story, our story, of how it all ends. The disciple John writes these words in Revelation chapter 21. And I saw no temple in the city, 
for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night. There will be no night. And so as we read this oddly Christmas verse, verses this year, my question to you is, what is, what is glory? When you think of the word glory, what comes to mind? Is it the beauty of waves crashing into the ocean? Or the sands rolling over the desert? Is it the splendor of a sunset over the Rockies here in Colorado? Is it the majesty that you feel as you look up into the sky at all of the twinkling stars? When you think of glory, what comes to your mind? See, when we hear the phrase glory of God, it should, it should move us, it should compel us, that when we hear the phrase glory of God, it should elicit a response in us so deep inside of us as we imagine what does it look like to spend forever in the radiant, luminous, compassionate glory of God. And yet for most of us, when we hear the glory of God, it fails to register any response at all. They're words that we use oftentimes in church, but don't really understand. That they're somewhere out there in the distance, you know, a little bit hard to grab, a little bit difficult for us to wrap our mind around, which is problematic because the gospel writers, the Bible writers, they tie the glory of God to Christmas. That, that the glory of God is tied to our eternal hope, that our souls long for the glory of God. We have to understand glory. Now, the first time that I was captivated by glory was in college. I went to a small Christian college in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, called Grace. And on the first day there, as we gathered as freshmen, we all gathered in this huge room, and they gave us this test, this exam over the Bible. And as they handed out the exam, they told us that we would take this exam twice, here on the first day, to help them understand where we were biblically, and then again, right before we graduated, so that they could use it as an evaluation tool for how well they've trained us, for how well they taught us. And as they handed out the test, they stressed to us that it didn't really matter what we got on this test this first time, that this was really just a baseline of where we were at, which was really good because <laughs> I scored the lowest. Like literally, I was the most biblically dumb kid in the freshman class at Grace. And even though they said that, we, uh, that the test would not be held against us, the reality is, is that somehow as an 18-year-old freshman, I was enrolled in a 7.30 a.m. class called hermeneutics. Now, hermeneutics is just this big word that means how to study the Bible. In other words, get this dumb kid some help. That's what that was all about. And it was there in that class that I was first captivated by the glory of God, and it rocked my world. It was in that class that I truly understood the light bulb went off and me being able to see the glory of God, and it changed everything for me. That honestly speaking, up until that point, I hadn't given the glory of God a lot of thoughts. It didn't enter in into conversation that I had. I mean, at best, it was this distant idea that was found somewhere in the scripture. At worst, I was embarrassed by it. I just could not wrap my mind around glory until one day I understood a different word, and that word was holy. 
See, when it comes to holy, holy just means separate. In the Hebrew language, it's not a particularly uh, religious word. In fact, it's just a common word that means to be distinct or other or separated. And when the Bible writers start using the word holy to describe God, what they're saying is that God is in a class all by himself. That, that God, is, that, that God is, is holy means that he is immeasurably valuable, that he is infinitely worthy, that he's one of a kind. That when the writers start to use the, the holiness of God, what they're saying is that he is, that he is utterly unique, that he is infinitely pure, that he is transcendent godness, that his name is above all other names, that he is the treasure of the universe, that all other treasures pale in comparison to that the holiness of God is what God is as God that nothing else is. Not the waves crashing in the ocean, not the sand in the deserts, not the sunset over the Rockies, not the majesty of the stars in the sky, that the holiness of God is what he is as God that nothing else is. And so we get to see a glimpse of the throne room of God. And there in the throne room are all of these angels, and, and they're there 24-7, and they're singing this song on repeat over and over again, and their song goes like this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Distinct, separate, other is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And their song continues, and the whole earth is filled, and we would expect them to say his holiness Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his holiness, but that's not what they sing. They sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. His glory, which means that glory is the going public of his holiness. That glory is the going public of his infinite value and his infinite worth. That glory is the going public so that we as people can see and understand and know who it is that God is. And so in Luke chapter 2, when the angels show up to the shepherds and they're singing over them, glory to God in the highest and peace to men on earth, what they are saying to the shepherds, and by extension, us, is that God is going public with his glory and it is going to change Everything, everything. It's an invitation to the shepherds to come and to see and to understand, to experience the glory of God wrapped as a baby laying in a manger. John says that one day in the future, at Christmas's climax, that indeed the whole earth will be filled with God's glory. And in that moment, you will need not the sun or the moon or the stars because of the brilliant light of God will take care of everything that you need. He goes on and he writes these words in Revelation chapter 22. And on that day, they will see that is the redeemed that they will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and they're true. I mean, do you see it? Do you, do you understand it? That at the climax of Christmas, we will gaze on the face of God and the night of sin and death will fade away. 
as the glorious light of God overwhelms with the salvation. And in that moment, in that moment, our faith will give way to sight. And our uncertainty will, will give way, it will give way to understanding. And the mystery will give way to illumination. The way the great Augustine put it was like this, at the end of history, at the culmination of all of these things, the redeemed will rest in sea, see in love, love and praise, and this shall be in the end without end. That this is the culmination of Christmas. And so I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think about what's coming next. What's happening next? that in just a few moments, the lights will begin to dim. And we'll take our candles and we'll begin to light our candles from the Christ candle as a celebration of Jesus coming as the light of the world. And we'll take our flame and we'll pass it one to another, symbolically representing that we are the light to the world's. And then there's this moment. It's a moment that's happened at every Christmas Eve service I've ever been at, at every Christmas Eve service I've ever led, where we begin to naturally lift the light up. And in that moment, it is a reminder to us, as the whole room begins to glow with the flickering lights, that one day indeed, that God's glory will fill the entire world. And that through that, we will find our hope and our love and our joy and our peace. I'm going to pray. But before I do, if you feel a, a whisper in your soul, a prompting deep within you, I want you to know that's God. That's God speaking to you. That is God inviting you just like he did the shepherd some 2,000 years ago to experience his glory. And if you have that prompting tonight, I just want to give you one next step. That during my prayer, I won't be offended. You can pull out your phone and you can text the name of Jesus to this number, 720-513-1933. And that's an indication to us for us to walk alongside you as you experience Jesus this Christmas. Will you pray with me? Father, we we come together on this Christmas Eve to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus, the light of the world. And in doing so, Lord, we, we light our candles and we lift our lights, looking forward to the day of the culmination of Christmas when your glory is ablaze in this world. Lord, I pray that you would be with us now. Lord, that you would speak to us as we, as we lean into this tradition celebrated by billions of people around the globe in the lighting of candles and declaring that you indeed are lights of the world. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
What a joy to celebrate what happened on that silent night. The greatest rescue mission of all time where Jesus came near to give us life and hope and purpose. You know, we actually celebrate that every Sunday here at Crossroads Church. And we'd encourage you, come back and join us on whatever platform you're watching us on now. Additionally, all of our resources are archived on our YouTube channel for you to watch at any time. And we'd encourage you when you go there, like and follow us so that you can be up to date on all those resources as they continue to come out. Additionally, if you're in the Denver area, we'd love for you to come in person and meet us and experience all of this alongside us. Our services are every Sunday at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30, and we would love for you to come and be with us. 
We have a tradition here at Crossroads where we take an offering for two amazing organizations around the world who are dedicated to spreading the gospel message. We call this our Crossroads Christmas offering. And this year, our goal is to raise $45,000 for two amazing organizations. One, Compassion International and North Denver Cares Food Bank. So Compassion International is a ministry dedicated to releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And recently, we actually got the opportunity to partner with them to uh, build a faith community in Guatemala, which includes a church, a food bank, and we'll also have the opportunity to sponsor hundreds of kids directly in that community. And then second, the North Denver Cares Food Bank is a food bank in the North Denver area that's dedicated to feeding the hungry and needy people and showing them God's love. And um, so if you'd like to donate to either one of these, you can go to our website or our app and select um, Crossroads Christmas Offering in the drop down below. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us here for Christmas Eve. And we want to send you off with a blessing. In darkness we arrived, in light we now leave. Rise and go, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. May the light of Christ lead you this Christmas season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Stop.